listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Hi, I'm Ryan. Welcome to our Sunday message. Uh, We're in a Lent series. We're in a Lent series marked by taking up our cross, denying ourselves and following Jesus as we journey towards Easter. And today uh, I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing with you from Jeremiah chapter 7. So grab your Bibles, go to Jeremiah chapter 7. But before I get into that, I just wanted to set this up a bit for you. Um, Jeremiah is a book from the Old Testament. It's actually a book that's that's uh, about a time when God's people were gathered. God's people were gathered in community and they were living in the rhythms of, of daily life as God's gathered people. It's actually a, uh, a pre-exile time um, where life was kind of centred around the temple and Jeremiah was a prophet that God raised up in this time to speak truth to his people. Jeremiah actually um, had a pretty hard life. He was a guy that um, despite the message that God had given him to share with God's people, he was just ignored. Um, People actually despised him. Um, When you read a bit about history, um, Jeremiah was thrown in a pit um, by by some of his contemporaries. He He was a guy that was not liked because his message was not liked. Um, the later church tradition um, tells us that, that Je- Jeremiah was actually stoned to death later in his life. It was actually a pretty sad um, uh, life that, that Jeremiah led. Um, it was a, at a point in history where God's people and their lives actually looked pretty good. And the reason Jeremiah wasn't liked is because he had a brutal message. He had a message of submission and a message that was saying there is an exile that's pending We are going to be destroyed by the Babylonians. We're going to be taken over and people didn't want to hear it. So join me in in Jeremiah uh, chapter 7 and we're going to read verses 1 through 13. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judea who have come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, reform your ways and your actions and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and if you deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless or the widow and do not shed innocent blood in this place. And if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I'll let you live in this place. In the land I gave your forefathers forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder and commit adultery and perjury and burn incense to Baal and follow other gods that you have not known and then come stand before me? In this house, which bears my name, and say, we are safe. Safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Go now to the place in Shiloh, where I first made my dwelling for my name, and see what I did to it, because of the wickedness of the people of Israel. While you were doing these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again And again, 
but you did not listen. This is a pretty heavy passage to speak from this morning, so I'm going to start by just praying. Lord, we know we have your spirit as God's people, and we ask for your spirit to dwell with us this morning, for you to speak to us. We ask that this message from Jeremiah and how we are to respond to that today can um, sit in our hearts and change the way that we live our lives, Lord. I pray over your people listening to this. Um, I pray for me as well, Lord. I pray give us ears to hear this. Give us eyes to see what you want us to, to do with this message. Change us, Lord. Equip us and change us today. Amen. I just find this passage really interesting. I also find it interesting that, that God asked Jeremiah to go and share this message with his people, even though they aren't going to listen to it. See, Jeremiah comes and shares this message of change, change the way you are living, he says to God's people, and they don't. They don't listen. And ultimately that results in the exile. The Babylonians come in, they ravish the kingdom, and there's an exile. Um, this exile was this upheaval. It was this upending of everything these Israelites knew, the way that they were living, the people of God. It was a time of massive, massive disruption. I love the way the, um, the Bible Project um, says it. If you don't know the Bible Project, a fantastic resource to engage with. And the, and the people over at the Bible Project, they say this, the entire national structure of the kingdom, which was thought to be ordained by God himself, came crashing down. This event, the exile, fulfilled centuries of prophetic warnings as hundreds of years of tradition, of culture and history was destroyed in just one year. This time of uh, exile was really what God did as he came in and he he just wiped the slate clean. It's funny how God uses disruption to do that. It's funny to think about uh, disruption and how often we have these, um, these bad connotations around disruption, but the, re- the reality is we've all experienced some level of disruption in our lives and it changes us. I think of the disruption I've had in my life. I, um, I wasn't always here in Australia. You may tell from my accent. I'm from the UK. And in 2008... Um, Post-graduation uh, from university, I'm working in, in London um, and, and a massive act of disruption happens. There's this global financial crisis. Um, like I said, I'm the first year out of, of university and whilst there's Americans that are losing their homes um, because of uh, harrowing levels of debt that wasn't serviceable, um, the construction industry that I was a part of ground to a halt. It just stopped. Um, I remember, and you might remember this from the news, this footage of, of people coming out of Lehman's Brothers, a major bank that had gone bust. This unbustable bank had gone bust and there's people just walking out with their possessions in a cardboard box without a job anymore. Um, I remember seeing that on the news on, on, a, on a Monday and thinking, wow, that's, that's how disrupting is that for them in their lives. Um, on Tuesday, the project I was working on, um, 
We got a call from the client. We were demoing this huge building in the center of London. We we're gonna put a hot, huge skyscraper there. And we just started this demolition work. And the phone call came on the Tuesday from the client. See, the client was a financier and they were caught up in the Lehman Brothers and other banks were, were all engaged with each other in business. And, and it started to slow down our lines of credit. And um, so this disruptive act uh, happened. And then on the Tuesday, we got a phone call. And the message was, um, finish demolishing this building dig the basement, build back up to the basement, but then stop, stop at the basement level. Don't build the skyscraper 24 months in front of you of building the skyscraper, don't do it. Stop, lock up the gates and leave. That was on the Tuesday. On the Wednesday, we got another phone call and they said, um, just demolish down to the ground level. Don't dig the basement, just lock up the gates and stop. Demolish the building and stop. By the Thursday, they called again and they said, is it safe to stop demolition? Can you just demobilize? Can you just stop right now? That week, uh, the business that I worked for had five major projects, like you're talking huge 300 million plus projects just canned in a week. It was a major time of disruption. Needless to say that, that this really disrupted my life. I had a plan. I was about to go and do some things. I was a, you know, a, a young engineer on one of these projects. I had the next 24 months laid out in front of me and, and, and in a lot of ways, uh, life just ground to a halt. It was a major disruption in my life and it caused uh, me to change my life's course. Um, often when we think about disruptions, we think of these major things, these major disruptions, but also quite minor disruptions happen in our lives all the time. And those too change the course of our life. You have these big moments of disruption but you also have these small moments. Um, if you're anything like me, you can relate to this. Um, I, uh, I get in a rhythm of a good quiet time and um, I'm not a particularly organized person, so I need to set up systems so that I'm, I'm, I'm doing well in life. And then a minor disruption happens. I reach the end of my journal and I haven't bought the next journal yet. And these minor disruptions just knock me off course. And these very seemingly insignificant disruptions in life have a big impact. I, I, it disrupts my quiet time and I, 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 um, I lose focus on where I'm heading. See, we have these, these large disruptions of life, like a GFC, like a global pandemic, but we have these small disruptions in life as well. And each of them cause us to have to step into a change. See, what happens as we live out the human existence is we have ex events and circumstances which occur around us in our life. And those things, big and small, disrupt us. They disrupt the course of our life. And as that disruption happens, there's a need to reestablish. There's this need to reestablish ourselves. We often think that... Um, that disruptions are, are bad things, and often the circumstances that happen are bad things. Um, but God, God will allow and use disruptions so that he can better reestablish your life with you. When we look at the text from Jeremiah, um, we really see a warning. We see this warning that the, in Jeremiah's time, the people of God who lived around the temple, they, they had what we would, they would look at and say, this is the good life. 
We are, we are centered. We are gathered as God, God's people. We're not oppressed. We're not in Egypt. We are a gathered people of God. And, and there was almost a sense of we're invincible. But the warning is this, that, that, that Jeremiah, as he was called to stand at the gate and say, change, he was this small disruption in their world as they walked past the gate. He was called to stand there and say, change. And the people did not change. They did not listen. They actually made a choice in that moment. They made this choice. In the disruption of Jeremiah stood in front of them, they chose to carry on, to just do the normal thing. I'm going to read a bit more from Jeremiah, verse uh, 20. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, on man and beast, on trees of the field, on the fruit of the ground, and I will burn it and it not be quenched. This is what the Lord God, the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your forefathers out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in all the ways I command that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Jeremiah's um, whole life, his whole life, his whole ministry um, was a pleading to God's people. He was pleading them. He was this minor disruption, stood at the gate saying, please don't walk past. I've got this message that God has given to me. Please turn to him, move to him, listen. You are not following God. Please follow God. And the people walked past this minor disruption. And next came a major disruption of everything they knew. This major disruption of the exile. And why did God do it? He just loved them too much. His love with them for them was so great. He did not want to leave them there. He, he wanted them to come back to him. God will use disruption to ensure that you do not perish. There's no doubt about it. At the moment, we, um, we're definitely in a time of disruption. I think um, when we read the history books in 10 years, in 20 years, we'll all be saying, yes, this changed the course of the world. Um, the reality is there's, there's 2.5 million people have died um, through this pandemic. Um, but it's kind of strange the kind of um, the, the, the dualness of the disruption where there's this macro global disruption going on. And I know many people here in Australia have, 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 have struggled in their own lives because of this macro disruption. People like me with relatives overseas who, who are struggling and it's massively impacting their lives. But then at the same time here in Australia, the disruption has just been a different level on a more personal level. Um, I know some people that really had their Christmas plans disrupted and they just couldn't go and visit family. Um, and that's been hard for them. And then there's some people that their workplace just got a bit more flexible. So there's this weird um, dichotomy of like huge global disruption and minor disruption all going on in parallel. I don't know how the disruption of the last 14 months has affected you in your life. Um, I don't know whether it's been major. I don't know whether it's been minor. Um, for some of you, it may have been a full-blown exile experience. You may have lost a loved one. 
overseas or here in Australia, you may have lost a career, lost a job, lost a house, I don't know. But for some of you, it may be very much more minor. It might be like the Jeremiah stood at the gate level of disruption where it's just a a, a fleeting moment as you're passing a message. Um, I don't know where you're at. But regardless, with every disruption, no matter how major or minor, where there's a cause, there is always an effect. The reality is the disruptions of your life, no matter how minor, no matter how major, God wants to use them. At the moment here at Red, we're experiencing a range of different people groups within our community. We're seeing um, different people groups at different places in their lives as they're journeying through these disruptions. And I, I want to call out three main groups that I see um, uh, amongst our community. So the first group, uh, maybe you can picture yourself in, in one of these groups. The first group is those who want to venture back. This group is typified by a, uh, a posture and a, a thought of, why can't we just go back to the way things were? It was great back there, 2018, faith was growing, it was fantastic, I really enjoyed life, it was good. Um, why do you keep talking about this? Why do you keep talking about this, Ryan? Why do, why do the news keep having to remind me about this? I just want to go back to the way things were. Um, maybe if you're in this group, um, you're a little bit frustrated. Maybe a little bit frustrated with that we're not moving on, that the news isn't moving on, that the politicians aren't moving on, that the church isn't moving on. Can't we just go back to where we were? There's a second group. Um, the second group I've, uh, I've typified as the people that are just wandering off. Okay, so maybe if you're in this group, um, you're just feeling depleted. You're just worn out. You're just beaten. Um, maybe your life's been turned upside down or maybe you've just been knocked out of sync. Um, but this group, I believe, um, the people that are wandering off, they've really lost sight of two things. They've lost sight of one, who they're following, and two, because they've lost sight of who they're following, they've lost sight of who they are. There's a lot of doubting going on in this group, um, a lot of doubting of why do I believe this, what do I believe. Um, I love it when Nicky Gumbel, the guy that um, uh, God used to raise up Alpha, Nicky Gumbel says, doubt your doubts. I love that line, doubt your doubts, come back to truth. So that's the second group, the people that are wandering off. And the third group, um, I've kind of categorised this group as the people that are like setting up camp here. We're setting up camp here. Um, this group, they don't like what 2018 uh, looked like. They're actually not as exhausted as the group that are wandering off. They're, they're the group that are going, this is great. This is great. These, these people, maybe they're just the workhorses who have just been doing a lot of good stuff, but it hasn't been God's stuff. And maybe 2018 for them looked like them doing a lot of self-sacrificial service. Um, maybe 2018 looked like them being uber, uber busy and God's paired back a lot of things and they're going, oh, okay, this is better. This is better. I've been released a burden. Let me just pitch my tent here in the disruption. I think that these three groups, these people that are, that are trying to venture back, these people that are just wandering off and the people that are camping here, there's a clear message to each of you. And I'm just going to unpack that a little bit now. 
So for the first group, the people that are, are thinking about venturing back, why can't we just go back? The clear message that God wants to give to you is this. 2022 looks better than 2018. 2022 looks better than 2018. Step into more fullness. Step into God. Come forward on your journey with him. The promise of God is that he will reveal, he will give more things to you in the future, that your life will be better when you walk it with him and you go forward. The reality of time is we cannot go back. All moments move on. This is an invitation to come with God. This is an invitation to reestablish with God in this season. The second group, the group wandering off, I think the clear message to this group is fix your eyes on me. Put your gaze on Jesus again. You are God's gathered people. Remember who you are. Don't wander off. Come towards Christ. Move towards him through this disruption. And then the third group, the group setting up camp here, this disruption that you're setting up camp in, God wants to say, I didn't make this disruption for you to dwell in. I don't want you to camp here. Don't do good stuff. Just do God stuff. Push towards Christ. Only pick up things which are God's things that he is calling you into. But don't set up camp here. Come forward with God. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at in your walk, whether this disruption has been minor or major, there's an invitation that I believe that God is now inviting us, particularly in here, here in Australia as we re-emerge out of this, God is inviting us to re-establish our lives with him. And God wants to be present with you in this re-establishment work. When I was in, um, back in London during the GFC and this disruption uh, happened around me and the, the job that I had stopped and I was really suddenly without a path in front of me. Um, I was in this world of disruption and I was called to step in and reestablish myself. Like that's what you have to do when the disruption hits. Um, it's, a, it's a massive part of my story because in that disruption, um, in the disruption of London, things slowed down so much that the opportunities evaporated and a new opportunity came to light, the opportunity to come here to Australia, to come and work um, on a project here in Melbourne. And... Um, and God used that opportunity as I stepped on the plane with one bag of clothes, had given away everything else or got rid of everything else and came to Australia for really what was a two to five year adventure. God used that, that opportunity. He, um, he took me out of my environment. I had no friends. As, it sounds strange, but there's not many points in your life where you literally start again. You've pressed the reset button. I've got no friends. I had no family around me. I, um, I had no safety net. I had no people to, to go to. And it started this analysis of how am I going to reestablish my life? How am I going to establish my life here in Australia? And it got me questioning a number of things. And I really believe that God used that moment, that moment of disruption to draw me in, to draw me towards him. He started to form me into what is his living temple, his people of God, his gathered people. It was a really uh, a pivotal moment in my life. But as I've, I've thought about this disruptive moment, um, 
a, re- a revelation of thought came to me that the 2009 Ryan Wallace actually, um, actually didn't have any kingdom responsibility. See, Ryan in, in 2009 didn't have a faith at the start of 2009. I wasn't one of God's gathered people. I was a Gentile. I was uh, a wanderer. I did not have a faith. I didn't have the living spirit of God in here. And so in 2009 when I went through this disruption, um, my, my role to play was actually diff- different. Actually, I had no role to play. What happened was God came in to my disruption and God pulled me towards him. There's nothing I did. I didn't have a role to play. I walked through the disruption, received and realigned. And that's what happened in the 2009 disruption. But the 2020 disruption's different. So Ryan Wallace that went through the, the disruption of 2020, the switch off of church, the turn on of online, Ryan Wallace of 2020 was different because Ryan Wallace now has the spirit of God in here. I'm no longer outside the temple. I am now part of the temple. I'm part of the living temple of God. And if you're a believer today, if you've said yes to Christ in your life, you are the living temple. This is where the spirit of the world dwells in you. And so we've got a different responsibility in this this day and age. The Ryan Wallace of 2020 has a responsibility to steward this spirit, to steward God's living temple. There is a call on our lives as followers of God to re-establish his living temple, re-establish the holy temple. Jeremiah's message was repent, turn, don't just do routine, step in to being God's people. I was reading a commentary as I was preparing for this and it's a, a dusty old commentary I found in the back of a, a bookcase here at Red, um, years and years old and it was almost hard to read because it was the, the language was, had started to become outdated and, um, and as I read it, this truth came out at me. Jeremiah had a particular contribution. In him as never before, religion became individual, became spiritual, became intimate. It was the warm, warm with lifeblood. See, Jeremiah was speaking about a time to come where the temple would disband and and Christ would come and the curtain would be torn and the spirit would go out into the world and it would reside here in our hearts. We are the living temple, the holy living temple of um, God, of God's gathered people. We are called to be a unique portion of his temple in this time. I want to uh, take one last little look back into Jeremiah and we're going to just move to verse 18. I, um, uh, as I was thinking about this, I was like, why weren't the people stepping into this? What is this that the people in Jeremiah's time were doing that was so bad, that was missing the mark? And in verse 18 it says this, the children gather wood, the fathers light the fire, and the women knead the dough and make cakes for the bread for the queen of heaven. They pour out drink offerings to other gods and to provoke me to anger. But I am, am I the one that they are provoking, declares the Lord? Are they not rather harming themselves to their own shame? I, uh, when I read that verse, um, there's almost like an element of comedy in it. Um, the people says that the children are gathering wood. 
the fathers are lighting fire and the, the women are kneading dough. If you um, put that into modern day language, it's the parents are, are going out to, to Woolworths to buy the shopping and they're cooking their food on the stove and they're eating at the dinner table. Um, it's almost, uh, it's almost like oh, shock, shock horror. <gasps> they're just living their lives. Shock horror. It's almost laughable um, what they were doing. But then I realized that it was actually really scary. There's this, this scary thought that came to mind that what if I'm just going about my life without God? And that is the thing. That is the thing that, that God detests, that tastes lukewarm, that he wants to spit out. He's asking us, don't just go about your lives. Don't just waste your time. Come to me, follow me, step into me with your life. When we meander in the comfort of the mundane, we abandon the call of our lives. When we meander in the comfort of the mundane, we abandon the call of our lives. I... um. Earlier today, I, uh, uh, the way my brain works is I, uh, I have heaps of thoughts and I try and grapple those and I'm in all these different conversations to, to condense these down into a, into a, a succinct message. And um, earlier today, I just took a bit of time out. I went to a coffee shop and I ordered a nice breakfast and a coffee and I'm there with my pen and paper and um, uh, I, I actually put my notes into like a little storyboard, um, a little flow chart of how my, how my, how I want to, want to speak through the message. And, um, as I'm doing this, uh, the lady at the cafe who's seated me down, really nice, chirpy lady, really friendly. She, um, she comes over to me with a bit of intrigue and she obviously thinks I'm doing something creative. She's like, oh, maybe he's a script writer. I'm thinking what's going on in my mind. And she says with a really nice smile, which I've already ordered my breakfast. And she's like, um, oh, what are you working on? And, um, and I said, oh, it's actually a, um, a Sunday sermon. I'm a pastor. And I don't know if you've shared your faith uh, much, uh, but I got that classic response where someone goes and leans back. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, uh, that's interesting. She didn't uh, ask much more about the plot. She uh, said, oh, okay. And she, she uh, exits stage left to, 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 to go and sort out the coffees. And so I'm sat there scribing away and uh, about five minutes later, uh, she comes up to me with my coffee. And um, it was really interesting. She's obviously processing, oh, he's a Sunday pastor, he's writing a message. And, and she comes over and she, she says something to me. She says something that's a little bit funny and humorous. And she says, um, you should just tell them, as she's putting my coffee down, she said, oh, you should just tell them, just be nice to people. Just be nice to people. And I laughed and she said, oh, there's your coffee. And she walked away. Don't waste your life. Don't just be nice to people. Don't just go for smashed over and a coffee and just smile at others. Say thank you. Don't waste your life. Step in to rebuilding God's holy living temple. Give yourself over to this. Don't just be nice. That's my plea to you today. Step into God's stuff. Don't just do good stuff. Step into God's stuff. I believe in this time there's a few ways that we can do this. As we rebuild ourselves, as we reestablish ourselves as God's people, there's a few ways I've got for you. I think some of you, um, you're just called to regather again. You're just called to, to, 
regather as God's people. Maybe you're sat in the US and you're watching these, these preachers and you think this is enough. My call to you is regather, and um, whether that's picking up a phone and having a chat with another Christian um, because you can't physically regather, or whether that's um, whether you're, you're blessed to be in a country where you can go to church, regather as God's people. And if you're someone that's here at Red, just regather, get back into the rhythm as God's regathered people. I feel like as we go into this season of reestablishing ourselves, God's asking us to do a stock take. What are the things that God is asking you to pick up again? Reestablishing a quiet time. Speaking with your neighbour about faith. Sharing your faith. Um, whatever it is, be regathered. Be reestablished in this time. I'm going to pray for us now as we finish. Father, I pray thank you for your living word. I pray thank you for the message that you gave Jeremiah to speak, to stand at the gates and speak over his people. And as we walk through the gates of our life, through the disruptions that happen as the, through the course of our life, speak to us afresh, Lord. Have us change our ways. Have us turn back to you, Lord. Grow us as we reestablish, Lord, so that we can be your gathered people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.